Hello, beautiful soul, and either welcome back or welcome for the first time to You Uplifted, the place where open hearts and open minds can come together to talk about and discover new ways in which to heal, grow, and fully step into their true power and potential. My name is Safa, and I am your host. I am an intuitive healer, as well as a women's health and wellness life coach, and I am honored to be here with you today. Today's episode is special because I had the honor of being joined via Zoom by one of my friends and an amazing creatrix. Her name is Emily Wyshensky and she is absolutely lovely to speak with. Now, a little bit about my guest. Emily grew up with two older sisters and became a middle school math teacher right out of college. She has since then started her own photography business, Emily Wish Photography, and has gone full-time from teaching to now running her own business endeavors. She is passionate about teaching and helping people build their confidence, and in my opinion, she is also an intuitive photographer. Our conversation is definitely more friends coming together to talk about shared experiences than anything super formal, but I really think you are going to enjoy it and hopefully gain some new insights and practices and techniques to help heal your relationship to self and the world around you. So here is my interview with the lovely Emily. Hi, Emily. How are you doing today? Hey, Saf, I'm good. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, me too, girl. I've been looking forward to this like for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> but listen, for the listeners, would you give us a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you got there? And I know that it's a long story, but <laughs> as much as you can give us. Yeah, so I will give the like 30 second concise so my name is Emily. I'm from Houston, and I know Safa through yoga. She's one of my yoga teachers, and I am 28 years old right now. I've been teaching for the past four years, and now I have started running my own side business, and I'm able to go full-time with that, so I'm kind of in a transitional, transitional phase, but um, yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. It's where I've been at for the past couple of years, so I'm in a pretty pretty cool space right now. I'm transitioning from a full-time math teacher to running my own like different little business ventures. It's been really fun. That is so exciting. And I'm so excited for you because you just, I feel like I've seen you grow and bloom so much over the last couple of years. And this is where you and I have connected so much because you and I both know what it's like to struggle internally with feeling comfortable with ourselves and to have to come face to face with an eating disorder or a disordered relationship to our foods and our bodies. And we've both seen a way into those very uncomfortable, very painful places and move through there. Would you be willing to share a little bit with us about what that journey has been like for you? Yeah, sure. So to talk back about like an eating disorder and like struggle with food, I think that my, and, and when we say like recovering, right, it's almost like Alcoholics Anonymous, we are recovering. I don't think that anyone's ever healed from it. And I think that it's, I think both of those can be yeah, quote unquote cured, but you get what I mean. Um, through self-love and through self-practice. So I had opened up to Safa, I think this, maybe this past year, 
about me feeling because I started yoga, feeling 100% more comfortable in my own skin and more comfortable around food. And I was just sharing how yoga had helped me get into that mindset. And I know that, and then she opened up about her business and cause I, I, I love the, I love your name, Nourishing Paths. And I love that now it has more than just one meaning. And so um, we connected on that level too. But it was my freshman year. I remember um, both of my sisters had my, I have two older sisters. They're both four years older than me and like four and then eight years older. Sorry. And then, uh, so they both got engaged that year and I knew they were getting married that year. And I just remember looking at pictures being like, I'm not skinny enough and thinking, okay, you know, I have this many months until their weddings, you know? So I got into a really bad habit of over exercising and under eating. But you know what, with that, at that moment in time, I was like, Oh, I look great. I look great. I have so low body fat percentage, you know, everyone was giving me compliments. Oh, Emily, you look so great. And I was thinking, Oh, perfect. Well, this is what I'm doing in order to look this way. I'll just keep doing that. And I eventually got so burnt out of it. I came out of it about like a year, maybe two years after that. And that's when I knew when I looked back and I said, wow, that that mindset is going to impact me negatively in the long run for sure. I can't keep running like this. So let me try to find something else. And then that was probably a good four or five years of really having those internal debates with myself about well, what is healthy and what should I be doing? And then I came, so it's where right now, this is June of 2020. So in the fall of 2018 is when I found yoga. And again, like I just, it always, for me, it still always go back to it because I've found that the teachers that have helped me these past two years, they all have a really great balance between, again, like self-love and loving your body in order to love others. And if you want to change something, you have to change how you look at yourself. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that stands out to me about that is the immediate reaction that we tend to get from people when we lose weight. Because for me, that was, I think, one of the biggest determining factors in fully immersing myself in the story that I wasn't good enough unless I got smaller and smaller and smaller over the years. What happened was I grew up and I was a healthy kid. I used to say all the time that I was chunky, but I've recently come across some videos from back in the day. And you know what? No, I was not a fat kid. I was just a healthy child. I had cheeks. You know, I had a structure that I was built for when I was born, let's say. And I, but I was happy. And the only time I knew that that was an issue was when it was told to me or when I was being bullied over it. And what was interesting was I ended up in the, I think it was the winter of my fifth grade. We had come down to visit my family in Tennessee. And overnight, it seemed, I got incredibly incredibly sick to the point where it just we ended up having to go to the hospital. And overnight, I lost 
all of the weight. Like I know that sounds really, really intense and it's because it was. I'd gone in looking and being one way and I came out looking and being another. But what sticks out to me most in my memory and in my pain body about that is when I came back from that traumatic experience in my life, my peers who had for so long treated me in a not so nice way, let's say, all of a sudden embraced me and were, oh my God, you look so good. You lost so much weight. And all of the positive affirmation that I received from something that was in fact not positive reinforced within me the idea that the smaller I was, the higher my worth. And I think that for a lot of us, unfortunately, we have been going through those things. We've experienced the automatic positive affirmation and positive response from people around us when we come back from something and we've lost weight. And it's always the opposite the other way around, right? It's if we're gaining weight, people usually will be like, well, what's wrong? What is right matter with you? Are you depressed? How come you're gaining so much weight? And oh my gosh, it's so incredibly pervasive and harmful because what it does is it ingrains that need in us. And it's like you said, absolutely, we are in remission, right? We're in recovery. We're mm -hmm. always going to be doing the practice or having to do the practice of being present with what it feels like to remind ourselves we are worthy, not externally, all of these things. And so it just kind of triggers those little things when someone brings that about. So have you, what exactly was it in your life at that point? Was it the practice of yoga or was it something else that finally decided you that what you were doing was not healthy? Well, you, you had said that yours started in fifth grade, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I remember mine was third grade and I was compared a lot to my sister because I mean, just by default, right? We looked the same. We had the same hair, like by default, you know what I mean? And so I remember I grew wide and then I grew tall. So third grade is when I grew wide with, that's not, I grew, grew wider. There you go. And then I grew tall. So I remember also going from fourth and fifth grade being like, Oh, Emily's slimmed down. She looks, she's so cute. You know what I mean? Like, and I was like, Oh wow. Okay. So in fourth and fifth grade is like nine, 10, 11 years old, like little babies. So I also had that connection too at, at at younger, but my also connection to, to things was how my clothes fit. So, cause I know that you and I have talked about how you've had people verbally comment on your weight gain or weight loss, but I never really had people comment on a weight gain or comment on a weight loss. So yeah, it was the connection to my clothes. Sorry. It was like a long winded story, but um, it was the connection to my clothes. Oh, I, I'm 28 and a half years old right now. And when I turned 27, my, and that was when I started doing yoga, my hips sit switched and girl, I was still wearing my high school jeans at the age of 27. I was still wearing my high school jeans from when I was 17 years old. And at 27, I was like, oh my God, my pants don't fit. I have to now buy new clothes. And like, I just had a breakdown. And at that point, you know, my, my, uh, Benny, my boyfriend, my partner, he said, Emily, like, you know, we have to get you new clothes. You're beautiful how you are. Like, this mm -hmm. is stupid. No, literally ask anyone, no one fits in their high school jeans. And that's when I had the point of, I can't go back to an eating disorder of what I had in order to fit in these jeans. Like my body's changing. I need to love my body. 
So that's when that happened about a year and a half ago for that's when I burned my literally burned those jeans. Uh, amazing. Literally fire is one of my, if not my top go-to energetic clearing when it comes to almost anything to releasing and all of that. So I absolutely adore that. And you and I experienced something really incredible together. So which I'm, I'm thinking about it because in terms of you relating to your clothes and how they fit, I'm going to give the, the listeners a little bit of a background here. So last year, Emily did approach me and talked to me because I'm very open when I'm teaching about what it's like to be in the space of presence with your own self exactly as you are and embracing every single part of who you are, even if that's uncomfortable. And I make no qualms about the fact that I've struggled with an eating disorder and I always am very open and vulnerable, just like I am on the show and with my clients and with my students. And so she'd approached me and talked to me about her own struggle. And I really resonated with it because it really hurts my heart when I hear people hurting in such a similar way, because I know what it's like that, that pain that struggle, that moment of really almost wanting to claw your way out of your own skin because you're so uncomfortable and you feel like you have to embody a particular thing, but you can't. I really feel that. And for anyone out there who's listening, who's struggled with this, I I feel your pain. I know what that's like. And you're not alone in that whatsoever. And yes, clothes absolutely are one big triggering point for all of us because, well, to begin with, we've been taught that we all have to embody clothes in a particular way and fit a a particular type of size, right? If we go outside of that sizing, then it's very much akin to that one scene in The Devil Wears Prada where she gets told that, oh, you're wearing a size four, but that's really a size six. And so Mm -hmm. that kind of idea really does, it seems stupid, but it's become so prevalent and it really has become such a deciding factor for so many of us. And then the reality that our bodies change from moment to moment and day to day, and that we cannot, like you said, fit our high school genes mm-hmm. when we are grown because our bodies have developed or we may be able to, but it just depends on so many different factors. But the reason I say all of that is to say you had approached me and opened yourself up to me and I'd immediately had this sense of intuition about you and the work that you do in your photography, having not up until this point seen any of your work, by the way, but I just knew that if there was someone out there who I wanted to work with to do the particular kind of pictures that I was looking for, which had a lot to do with self-liberation, they had a lot to do with telling a very particular story about moving past old patterns and reviving the soul and becoming empowered. And one of those images actually is in the you uplifted little icon that you see as a picture that's by Emily. So I had a sense about you, Emily, that you were going to be able to capture the spirit and the integrity of the whole thing because I could tell there was an intuition about you that was needed. So we got together, we decided to do this photo shoot with another friend of mine. And we there was this one moment because what I wanted to do, which also hold on, can I also say that is like the sweetest compliment ever for someone (laughs) to literally say I want you as a photographer because I think that you can capture like my essence in the moment because that is the most difficult thing to do as a photographer is capture someone's true personality so I just want to say thank you for that you're so sweet that is like so sweet 
Oh, and I mean it a hundred percent. And as a matter of fact, let's put, can we put a pin on that? Cause I want to get back to that and talk to you about that a little bit more because mm-hmm. I mean it so sincerely. And I think that there's things there that I would like to share with you as well. So yeah, of course. And one of the goals that I had in mind for that particular photo shoot was to be able to free myself from the not just the burden of self-expectation in terms of the fact that my body has evolved and changed and moved and grown, but also moving through and past and out of a big monumental time in my life, which had been my divorce. So what I did, and you know, I could have very easily just grabbed my wedding dress and burned it because believe me, like I said, fire is one of those mm-hmm. alchemizers that I use all the time. I could have, but there was a need in me to make it a very creative and very loving sort of space. And that's where you and my friend had come in at that point. And so we went out and I always say we went out into the forest, but it wasn't really the forest. It was a park. (laughs) It was a dense, dense park. It was a very gigantic, (laughs) like, off yeah, the trail. Exactly. Off the beaten path kind of park, but still a park. So yeah. we went there and we put on our old wedding dresses. And the second, there was a couple of things that happened when I put it on. First, there was a major, massive panic, an internal moment of holy crap, what is going on right now? Because we couldn't zip it all the way up. Mm-hmm. And you took pictures of this because it was a very powerful moment. So that moment where the dress doesn't zip up, there's a few things that happen. First, my stomach drops and I'm like, oh God. And then the loving embrace that I have been working so deeply on to practice on daily showed up and allowed me to see that it was wonderful, that it was a beautiful thing that that had just happened. And then the liberation of trashing the dress. But I bring that up because because you're speaking to moving out of our clothes is so crucial in how we heal ourselves and how we allow ourselves to embody and to take up space in this world so that we don't just get caught up in the idea of, no, I need to be a size zero. And like you said, yes, at the time, I think that the dress that I got married in was a zero. And of course, that's not going to fit me anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And it's almost kind of like a butterfly thing, right? Like I know that this past spring too, like that was one of my huge helps of transformation. Like I feel like you really had to shed that old, that old size zero, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm even like right now, cause I know we're not being able to video, but like, I'm even looking back at the pictures right now and they literally bring me so much joy. Uh, you, you really can like, cause I remember your face and that you were like, oh, and I was like, it's okay. Like you knew you were beautiful before you put on this dress and you're going to be beautiful after, you know, after we take this photo shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was important for me to share that with you in particular as well, because I knew that that same semblance of core wounding laid there for both of us. Uh So I I think it helped because it allowed me to be even more vulnerable than usual. I think having you there gave me an extra space to be vulnerable and say, look, we can take up space. We can be these wonderful, powerful creatures and not be afraid. And that's, that's, that was a very, very long winded way of saying what you've just brought up about the clothes and your, your pants not fitting you from when you were in high school. It sounds maybe to the untrained ear or to just on the surface, it may sound very like over the top or very glossed over, but 
really giving ourselves permission to move past that is so important. Because even now, at the time when we are recording this, we're still coming through the really intense moments of the isolation, or maybe not, I shouldn't call it isolation, but the, uh, the pandemic. And I've had conversations with friends of mine who are so beautiful and so wonderful and so powerful, but who've continuously seen themselves as needing to fit a particular mold and who, even though they embody very small bodies, and even if they didn't, this wouldn't matter, but I bring that up just to make a point, even though they embody very small bodies are freaking out that their clothes don't fit anymore. And my response the other day with one of my friends was, well, can you love yourself enough to embody that space and just buy new clothes? And the immediate response for most of us, not just for my friend, but for most of us is always going to be no. No, because I'm going to make it my goal to fit into them again. Yeah. And I find that that response is actually way much more aggressive and way much more detrimental than we realize. Clothes change. Like, I want you to think about just literally getting a regular cotton t-shirt, not ever wearing it, but just putting it through the washer machine like 50 times. Mm -hmm. You literally didn't wear it. But the other things change the way, like, so... And yeah, that's a, that's my analogy for that. Like, yeah, you can't go back. They're never going to fit the same way when I first bought them. So. Absolutely. Well, not only that, but would you do me a favor and let's play at something here. Let's go back to that point in time when you tried those pants on and you realized that they didn't fit. How does it feel like in your body to go through the process of thinking, no, I'm going to force myself to fit into this no matter what? I can put myself in that moment, but then it is so, it's such a good feeling knowing that the second thought after that first initial one is, who cares? Throw them away, girl. Like you're not the age of 17, you're 28 now and you're in this moment and you're never going to go back to that moment. So don't even try to force yourself in those pants. Like, you know, for a fact that you have current clothes right now that you love that you look in. So why don't you just find more clothes that you feel good in. Exactly. That's, yeah. Yeah. And how different that is from how it would have felt to you if you would have forced yourself to get back into that space, right? The, does yeah. that, yeah. That Ooh, can I bring a point up? Because yeah. there was a, like, like two, two points ago, we had talked about, or you had mentioned like what kind of helped me get through that permission. There were two books specifically that I read that really helped me learn to love my body. And it was the body book by Cameron Diaz and the longevity book by Cameron Diaz. She does a really great job of teaching you the basics of like your internal organs as a woman, the research and lack of research that we have about women's health. And then also, side note to that, I was on hormonal birth control, which I'm currently reading the repair, the period repair manual. Mm -hmm. I was on hormonal birth control from the age of 18 until 24. And then from 24 to 26, I had the copper IUD. So I am just now like two years, almost two years sober from like additive hormones in my body. And I 100% I'm not even halfway through this book yet. I am 100% guaranteed that those hormonal birth controls that my doctor put me on had an effect on my mental health because it says even in this that there is anxiety and depression that can lead to women because of the artificial hormones that 
we're putting our bodies in. That's yeah, that's so incredible. And so the the freedom that comes from accepting the fact that no, you are free to not be in that space anymore and that you don't have to look the same and that you can take up more space if you need to. And then to go back to this, because I really wanted to bring it into this space. I don't know what your, as a matter of fact, let me ask you this. What do you recognize or how do you identify with intuition in your own life? So what does intuition mean to you? Intuition to me is being self-aware enough to notice the first thought you have about something, but then your second thought being the decision that you make about it. So for example, I could, um, let me think for a second. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just still use the same pant, right? Intuition is I'm looking at these pants. They no longer fit me. Oh my God. What? Like I'm fat. Now I need to lose weight. That's my first initial thought. That's my subconscious telling me what I think. Intuition is having that second thought of being like, no, 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 no. Throw the pants away. You're beautiful as is. I think that's how I would describe intuition. Interesting. Self-awareness. So you see it. Yes. You see it as a self-awareness tool, which is actually, yes, absolutely what our intuition does. And one thing that I have learned over the last two, maybe let's say three to four years is that intuition itself, one of the things that really makes it different from overthinking and from overfeeling is that when you have an intuitive call, you just know. It's a sense of inner knowing that is not guided by emotion at all. So you're absolutely right. Having that certainty or having that more, not having that internal compass that is going to guide you and say, hey, hang on a second, that feeling, that emotion that you are having right now that feels so irrational and that's making you feel so all over the place, that is not your intuition. This knowledge that you are worth way more than that, this is your intuition. And I'm super certain, and I don't know if anyone has ever told you this before, but I am 100% certain that when it comes to your photography, and this is where I wanted to bring it back for you, speaking Mm -hmm. to our last point, that you are what I would consider an intuitive photographer. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. Most people can have a lot of creative access within them, and they can create beautiful art, and they can create beautiful pictures. But sometimes, When you look at their photographs, you don't necessarily feel like you can connect to the spirit of the subject or whatever it is that you are looking at. You may be able to appreciate the photograph, but you may not feel a sense of connection. When it comes to your work, and I somehow knew this, at last, like I said before, without even actually seeing your pictures firsthand, just from the kind of empathic, beautiful soul that you are. When it comes to your work, I think you do a fantastic job of capturing not just the spirit of the person, but the story and the process that goes through that. And I say that now, having not just looked at the, the work that we did together, but looking at the work that you've done even for weddings and with couples because you see those pictures and there's a very particular sense of light to them where you connect 
to the spirit of the subject at hand. And so I want to let you know You're going to make me cry, Safa. It's <laughs> so sweet. Yeah, well, it, I mean it sincerely. That I wanted to bring it up specifically so that you, if you haven't heard that from anyone before, I think it's something for you to explore further and sit with it and meditate and see what it brings about because it's so much a part of who you are. And secondly, because I think that that is what makes your work so particularly unique, right? Wonderful. It's so wonderful to be able to see you grow into those spaces over the last couple of years. And thank you for sharing that. And also, I want to go, if you're willing, I want to go a little into what it has been like for you to do these photo shoots. And especially let's centralize it to something that I experienced firsthand, which was we went out, like I said, into the quote unquote woods and did essentially what was a naked or nude photo shoot. And two things, uh, maybe three that come to mind right away. Like I said, you just have that intuitive nature about yourself that you can perceive what is really under the surface and bring about so much power and beauty from the spirit of the subject or the situation. And also, I know, obviously, because I'm me, what it was like for me, but what was that like for you as a photographer, as an individual? And if you wouldn't mind also sharing, because you and I sat down after the photo shoot and had a little conversation about what that had meant for you and how you kind of related to your own growth in terms of your relationship to self and your self-love. Sure. So I think that... um... I'll talk specifically to the naked photo shoot. That one, we kind of, and for the, for the listeners, we kind of broke it out into sessions. So we had like four or five different, different locations that we wanted to do with, with different clothes, with different props. This was the first photo shoot that we did at like 7 or 7.30 in the morning because we wanted to get there while no one was there. And I was really nervous because normally it takes me like a good 10 or 15 minutes at the beginning of a shoot to get comfortable even with my own self, right? Like you have to build that comfortability. And then you're telling me already at the gate that we're going to do the no, no, naked photo shoot. So I was like already knowing in, okay, Emily, I already know I'm going to be double nervous. And so I knew that I had to have a momentum inside of me that was twice as strong in order to overcome those twice nervous. So I really, in the moment, I meditated a lot on just be in the moment and capture exactly what the moment looks like because it doesn't matter. Um, um, what am I trying to say? It matters less in the moment about how I tell you to move your certain hand. It's more important how I make you feel behind the camera. And by doing that, I encourage you and I tell you like, be yourself, like do what feels natural. And by doing that, you do do what's natural. And in the result, you get beauty because that's you. And I just remember too, like being in the moment, knowing that these photos were going to be so special for both of you. Like you are going to look back on these years from now and cherish them. And I think that I knew that because if I had someone taking my photos like this, I would cherish them, you know? So I think that's, that's what got me like in that moment was just like fully 100%, like turning my phone off, like knowing that nothing's going to disturb me, but 
my own thoughts and I'm going to have to be in control of my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then as a photographer and as a person, what that photo shoot meant for me. So as a photographer, I was so honored that you chose like that is a very vulnerable thing to do is be naked behind a camera. And then not only that, but we had had those conversations and I knew that they were more than just photos for you. So I just remember feeling really honored that you asked me to do those for you. And then as a person, yeah, definitely like. I remember I was editing these photos and my boyfriend walked in and I like closed the thing. He was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm editing photos. And I forgot to tell him that I was editing like nude photos. <laughs> and it was just like, why did like, this is art at the end of the day, this is art and this is my work. And I just remember feeling like this is a woman's body. A woman's body is it's beautiful and it's art. And it is the responsibility of the photographer what would, it's almost like breastfeeding in public, right? My sister just had her newborn and people are still freaking out that people breastfeed in public. I'm like, the baby is trying to eat for crying out loud. Like why can't women's bodies be celebrated more? That's, I felt really empowered. You empowered me to celebrate my body even more. I love that. And I actually would like to get a little bit further into that subject, if you don't mind, because I mm-hmm. think that you hit the nail in the head when you said that is such a vulnerable space to be in, because it is nakedness. Literally, it's at that point, you really have nowhere else to hide. And even on an, an instinctual level, you don't even have armor on you know what I mean like it's not as if you Mm -hmm. can even protect yourself from even a scratch so if nakedness is such a vulnerable point for us but it's also so empowering and you're absolutely right women as a whole do not get the space to be in their full vulnerability and I mean this even further beyond just the physical nakedness but we do not get the space to be in our vulnerable selves without getting treated as if we were either less than or dirty or any kind of any number of shameful and guilt-ridden narratives that get thrown around that whereas to me the ability to bear yourself so completely is incredibly powerful it shows it shows bravery because you had to not only conquer a fear that you faced internally but then you also have to conquer a fear that is externally mm-hmm. so and in that moment you know i couldn't shy back i was like dude i have these two like badasses in front of me like i have to I have, like, you know what I mean? Like I was, I was just inspired by y'all both in the moment. (laughs) And I think that we were, and I can speak for myself freely. I was inspired by by you as well. Cause like I said, I could tell that's exactly what it is for me to call you like an intuitive photographer. It's you're able to, in the moment, assess the energy of the room and see what it's required and pull into that space. You saw, and you were admitting or becoming present to the fact that this vulnerability was big for many different reasons because also socially it's unacceptable for us to be naked because our naked bodies are always so constantly shamed the fact that we have cellulite or stretch marks or that we have fat rolls and that we don't have a flat stomach all of these things go 
into play with that. So you were able to see that step back, meditate, and then pull a lot of strength and a lot of beauty from each of us. And so I really appreciate you for that. But what would, have you ever experienced in your own life, the freedom of being 100% naked or 100% vulnerable, if you don't want to take it to a physical level, in a space where you never thought that that would be a possibility? And what did that do for you? Yes, for sure. There's two two places that I felt super com- comfortable with being naked. And the first one is this sounds like really silly, but walking around my house naked. Mm-hmm. Like that in and of itself, this is my home and I need to feel comfortable completely naked because that is the most vulnerable spot. So the first thing I did was I got comfortable being in my naked, like being naked in my house by myself. Um, and then the second thing I did, and I've lived in my house for probably four, actually, yeah, four years next week. So the, the reason why I also love this house was because it backs up to like a, like a random street. So I don't really have neighbors. And I like, I love in the summer to tan naked. It's the most, it's the most glorifying feeling. It's so freeing. Like, Sun is hitting you on every orifice, and I'm just like, this is awesome. Also, because I just I love hot weather, but those are two times in particular that I've felt super awesome and has given me the most confidence. But I'll also say a bonus third one has, and this may like, I mean, this podcast can't get any more can't get any more vulnerable. But like meditating naked, meditating naked also helps so much. And I have a um, like if I have like a mirror in front of me because I like to meditate out loud to myself. So I'm like physically watching myself say it out loud. Um, I have a sticky note on there that says, Emily, you are more beautiful without clothes than with clothes. And every time I meditate on that, I'm all, I always, it makes me feel so good when I go back to like, there's a certain pair of Lululemon shorts that I really love, but like I'm in between two sizes. And so these, these certain ones, like I bought in a different season. So they're a little bit more snug than my other ones. And um, I, it always makes me feel good when I put them on. And I'm just like, you know what? Look, these two shorts are the exact same size. This one's a little bit smaller, you know? Or is it this one's a little bit bigger? So it's like, it makes me feel so good that those two, like, those spots that I'm able to have been vulnerable really has opened my heart, like, eyes up. And it's like something that everyone can do, right? You, you don't have, it doesn't cost you anything to walk around your house naked every girl, boy, like anyone listening to this can do the things that, you know, I I can speak for myself, can do the things that I've done for free to get you to the point at where I'm at right now. Like everyone can have this happiness and everyone can love their body. It just is a process. And I, I, I know we're probably running out of time, but I mean, I'd love to share more of that process if you're ever willing to as well. I absolutely love that you just said all of that. And my jaw is on the floor because you know what? One of the first things that ever got me into a place where I could really step into my power and say, yes, this is me. I embody this beautiful space and look out world, whoever stands in my way because I am coming type of thing was while being naked. And I've got two stories that go along with that. One of them was I had a really good friend of mine 
who I had gone to Dominican Republic with, and she happened to have been there whenever we had just finished doing a movie premiere. And I remember coming back from there being incredibly depressed because I was comparing myself to all of the other actors around me, and all of them were so skinny, and they had a very particular type of body, and they looked a very particular kind of way. And I remember sitting with her and crying and telling her how I was feeling about being not good enough or about not looking the way that I should for an actor, that I was never going to be able to amount to anything. Just a whole long story, but to make it very, very brief, she actually physically grabbed me fully clothed, mind you, but I'll, I'll, I'll delve into this a little bit deeper in a second. She grabbed me, she put me in front of a full length mirror and held me in place until I was able to tell every single part of my body that I loved it. And let me tell you, that was one of the harshest, most beautiful experiences of my life because it was from then and then through the yoga practice that I was able to heal so much. So that was one of the first stages because I followed it up when I got home and I was completely by myself got naked, saw myself in the mirror again and started calling it each and every one of my parts and loving on them and really meaning it. It wasn't just a superficial, oh, I love you, whatever. And then on top of that, you say about being naked in your house. And let me say one of the biggest, biggest moments of freedom in my life came after the divorce because once everything was done and the dust had settled and I was able to come into my own home and really make this space my own, the first thing, and I swear to God, the first thing I did was take off my clothes and I was naked in this house for like a freaking month, you know? That's funny. And it was the most beautiful, most liberating thing in the world. And to this day, like I walk around my house in my underwear and a a t-shirt. Maybe I'll be wearing a kimono max, unless I know that there's going to be people around that are, you know, not comfortable with nakedness or that I wouldn't want to be naked around. But I, I, that's just my natural state of being now because I feel so comfortable in my own body and I feel so empowered and I feel so good just knowing that this space I inhabit is free, that that is. So I find that so curious that you're saying that as well because it seems to be that that space your home the place that you inhabit most freely where you can be the most vulnerable a lot of times is where we most shelter ourselves and that's what I used to do I used to walk around the house wearing like a bajillion layers on top of it and I realized that that was armor for me and so the ability to take that off and to shed that skin and to be completely free, I mean, that is so incredibly liberating. So I would, I would even encourage the listeners to try that out as well as if you've never tried looking at yourself and being completely naked in front of a mirror and telling yourself that you love yourself or that you love your breasts or that you love your stomach or that you love your stretch marks or your bags under your eyes. If you have never done this, try it at least once in your life. And I can promise there will be a lot of resistance and I can promise there will be a lot of fear and a lot of holding back. And it may even be that you can't do it physically in front of a mirror with light or whatever so you may even or even if you don't feel like you actually mean it right maybe you say it out loud and you think that you're lying dude say it and eventually one day it will be true you just have to keep saying it you can have that second voice in your head saying like you're not beautiful like those are really fat rolls you can still have that for right now but you will one day i promise you get to a point where you really do in like inside you're like wow i really do love those little fat mm-hmm. rolls like i love my little fat rolls now they're so freaking cute yes like, 
Yeah. Because you verbalize it. There's a little bit of that fake it to make it deal in that, right? Because you've been saying it, your body, your mind, and your spirit have been hearing it, and then you've brought it into existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also, again, by doing that, it gives you so much grace in the fact that we are human beings. Our body is aging every moment of every day. So yeah, why would you compare yourself now to your past? Like we're always going to be aging. So that's one thing too, that I think, um, I think it's kind of freaking me out that I'm like in my late thirties, like I'm going to be 29 in December. Mm -hmm. And I think it's aging is kind of freaking me out. And, um, I see, you know, adults in my life who still like women who are adults in my life, they hate their body. And I'm like, I do not want to be that I want to love myself when I'm older Mm -hmm. so I think the perspective too of like don't judge yourself so harshly like give yourself grace like you've been through a lot like I'm sure everyone here is a working woman whether you work at a place or you're a mom and you stay home and you take care of the kids you are working we put our bodies through stress and they just deserve to be loved yeah that our bodies and us, like our entire selves deserve to be loved. Absolutely. And here's the, uh, the other side of what I was going to say earlier. <laughs> and sorry, because I do tend to get very, very chatty when it comes no, to I this particular you, subject. Actually, no, it's so good. No, you're supposed to. You're my guest. <laughs> but the, uh, the idea of if, if, if it really makes you uncomfortable to get naked and look at yourself and, and verbalize these things to you, maybe try with the lights off and put your hands on your body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not to make it sound kinky, but I do mean like put your hands physically to your body and maybe feel the muscles in your arms or feel the softness of your skin or fear the supper, the suppleness of your belly and be grateful for those spaces. And in that gratitude, pour love into them. And I think that that may break the old pattern of not even being able to look at yourself in the mirror. You know, it might infuse that with even more energy. So it's more somatic even. Mm-hmm. Or you can always write out like, let's say like, I love my arms because they let me hug my family and friends. I love my legs because they let me walk around every day. Physically write those out. And then you have like a script that you read out loud. And eventually like, you're not going to notice the cellulite on your legs because your legs get you from A to B. You love your legs you're going to notice the little flabby flabs on your back arms because guess what? You're hugging your best friend today after quarantine. Oh my God. I like, can't wait to see, I can't wait to see all of you still and just give you a big hug. Oh my God. I know. Yes. All of those things. And eventually that'll just pour into, I love this part of my body. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even have to be because it develops or it does anything. It's just because you love it and you yeah. love yourself. Just as if you love yourself, not because you're an amazing person, but because you love yourself and you deserve love. I hear you. (laughs) All right. Well, we are definitely running out of time now. So what would you, to close out today's episode, which was way more a chat between friends than anything official, which I actually love. So thank you for allowing me the space to do that with you. What would you leave the listeners with in terms of how they can connect to their intuitive selves and also how to become uplifted and empowered? Sure. So how to connect to yourself, how to become uplifted. I want you to develop a mantra. I want you to develop a saying that you 
that if you were looking at it on a piece of paper would be able to argue with that self-conscious. So again, like no matter what you may be struggling with the most, I want you to come up with a mantra and I want you to say it out loud to yourself in the mirror for, you know, let's start with 10 times a day. And, you know, every day try to build on that a little bit more. But just my, my first mantra was a quote of do the best that you can where you can, like do the best that you can where you are with what you have. And I said that mantra to myself every day, every morning, every night for six months. And that changed my mindset. And that was like a catapult for it. So that to the listeners, how you can become uplifted, how you connect to your intuitive self. Just start saying loving things out loud to yourself in the mirror every day. And I think that it will, t- honestly, it will take care of itself. If you're, you know, stay tuned for a couple more months because I feel like you're going to be a different person after listening to this. Hopefully if you implement, <laughs> if you implement the strategies that we've, that we've talked about. There's always room for growth for sure. Uh, well, yeah. Emily, thank you so much for your time. And again, for the space to basically have a girl chat with me. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. I love talking to you. Always a good time. Uh, you too. Oh, oh. And before I let you go, <laughs> I almost forgot. Where can the listeners find you? So you, if you want to follow my photography page on Instagram, it is Emily Wish Photography. Wish is W-I-S-C-H. So Emily Wish Photography, um, same thing on Facebook. And then if you want to find me on YouTube, it's Emily Wish. Awesome. Uh, okay. Well, officially, thank you. And I will talk to you soon. Love you, girl. Yeah. Love you too. Bye, Safa. All right, wonderful listeners. I really hope that you enjoyed that. And as always, if you have any questions about the things that we talked about on the show, or if you would like me to go more into detail about anything, please feel free to email me info at nourishingpaths.com. And you can find me on Instagram at nourishing underscore paths. I'd also love to invite you this week to do a little bit of creation in your own day-to-day. Step out of your comfort zone, pick up your phone and take pictures, or sit down and journal, or paint, or do something that makes you feel absolutely exuberant. And let me know how that goes. I am so looking forward to hearing from all of you. Also, don't forget to share the love, leave a review, rate the show and share. And I will talk to you all next week. 